Chapter Ten of the Black Moth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tara Mendoza. The Black Moth by Georgette Hare. Chapter Ten. Lady O'Hara retires. For a long minute, silence reigned. All three actors in the little comedy listening to the heavy footsteps retreating down the passage. Carstairs, with one arm still around the lady's waist, and a rather strained look on his face, Molly instinctively felt that something beyond her kin was in the air, and glanced fearfully up at the white face above her. The expression in the blue eyes fixed on her husband made her turn sharply to look at him. She found that he was staring at my lord as though he saw a ghost. She wanted to speak, to relieve the tension but all words stuck in her throat, and she could only watch the denouement breathlessly. At last O'Hara moved, coming slowly towards them, reading John's countenance. Some of the wonder went out of his face, and as if he sensed the other's agony of mind, he smiled suddenly, and laid his hands once more on the straight, stiff shoulders. "'Jack, ye rascal! What do ye mean? By hugging and kissing me wife under me very eyes!' Molly all at once remembered the position of her cousin Harry's arm, and gave a little gasp, whisking herself away. My lord put out his hands and strove to thrust his friend off. "'Miles, don't forget. Don't forget what I am.' The words were forced out, but his head was held high. "'There are nouns, man, and it is meself that'll be caring what ye may or may not be. Oh, Jack, Jack, I'm so pleased to see ye that I could scarce realize tis yourself I am looking at. When did you come to England, and what a plague are you doing in this costume? He jerked his head to where John's mask lay, and wrung the hand he held as though he would never stop. I've been in England a year. As to the mask, he shrugged and laughed. Lady O'Hara pushed him between them. But please, I do not understand, she said plaintively. Carstairs bowed over her hand. May I be permitted to thank you for your kindly intervention, my lady, and to congratulate Miles on his marriage? She dimpled charmingly and curtsied. Her husband caught her round the waist. Ay, the saucy minx! Oh, me cousin Harry, forsooth! If it had been any one but Jack, I should be angry with ye, Astor, for twas a wicked trick to play entirely. She patted his hand and smiled across at Jack. Of course. I would never have done such a forward thing, had I not known that he was indeed a gentleman, and had he not saved me from sudden death, she added as an afterthought. Miles looked sharply round at her, then at Carstairs. What's this? My lady exaggerates, smiled my lord. Tis merely that I had the honour to catch her as she fell down the steps this morning. O'Hara looked relieved. You're not hurt, Alana? Gracious, no. But I had to do something to show my gratitude. "'And I was sure that you would never expose my fraud, so I—' "'But, as a sudden thought struck her, "'you seem to know my highwayman. "'Sure, and I do, Molly. "'Tis none other than Jack Carstairs, of whom you've heard me often speak.' "'She turned round eyes of wondering upon my lord. "'Can it be? "'Is it possible that you are my husband's dearest friend, Lord John?' "'Jack flushed and bowed. "'I was once, madame,' he said stiffly. "'Once?' She scoffed. Oh, if you could but hear him speak of you! But I'll let you hear him speak to you, which perhaps you'll enjoy more. I know you've a prodigious great deal to say to one another, so I shall run away and leave you alone. She smiled graciously upon him, 
blew an airy kiss to her husband, and went quickly out of the room. Carstairs closed the door behind her, and came back to O'Hara, who had flung himself back into his chair, trying manlike to conceal the excitement he was feeling. "'Come, sit ye down, Jack, and let me have the whole story.' My lord divested himself of his long cloak, and shook out his hitherto tucked-up ruffles. From the pocket of his elegant scarlet riding-coat he drew a snuff-box, which he opened languidly, with his eyes resting quizzically on O'Hara's face. He took a delicate pinch of snuff and minced across the room. Miles laughed. "'What's this?' "'This, my dear friend, is Sir Anthony Ferndale Bart.' He bowed with great flourish. "'Ye look it. But come over here, Sir Anthony Ferndale Bart, and tell me everything.' Jack perched on the edge of the desk and swung his leg. "'Well, really, I do not think there is much to tell that you do not already know, Miles. You know all about Dare's card-party, for instance, precisely six years ago.' "'Tis just exactly what I do not know.' retorted O'Hara. "'You surprise me. I thought the tale was rife. Now, Jack, will you have done drawling at me? Don't be forgetting I'm your friend. But are you? If you know the truth about me, do you feel inclined to call me friend? There never was a time when I would not have been proud to call you friend, as you would very well have known, had you been aught but a damned young hothead. I heard that crazy tale about the car party, but do you think I'd be believing it?' It was the obvious thing to do. Maybe. But I fancy I know ye just a little too well to believe in a cock-and-bull story I'm told about ye. And if I had been fool enough to have believed it, do you think I'd be going back on ye? Sure, tis a poor friend I'd be. Jack stared down at the toe of his right boot in silence. I know something more than we guessed happened at that same party. And I have me suspicions, but tis your affair. And whatever ye did, ye had your reasons for. But Jack— why in the name of wonder must you fly off to the devil or no one knows where, without so much as a good-bye to any one? Carstairs never raised his eyes from the contemplation of that boot. He spoke with difficulty. Miles, in my place, would you not have done the same? Well, you know you would. Was it likely that I should inflict myself on you at such a time? What would you have thought of me had I done so? O'Hara brought his hand down smartly on the other's knee. "'I'd have thought ye less of a young fool. I would have gone away with ye, and nothing would have stopped me.' Jack looked up and met his eyes. "'I know,' he said. "'Twas the thought of that. And—and and I could not be sure. How should I know whether ye would even receive me? Last night—last night I was horribly afraid.' The hand on his knee tightened. "'Ye foolish boy! Ye foolish boy!' Bit by bit he drew the story of the past six years out of Carstairs, and though it was a very modified version, Miles understood his friend well enough to read between the lines. "'And now,' said Jack, when the recital was over, "'tell me about yourself. When did you marry the attractive lady whom I have just been kissing?' "'Ye rogue! I married Molly three years ago. Tis a real darling she is, isn't she? And upstairs there's a little chap, your godson.' "'You lucky fellow! My godson, you say? Could you not find any one more worthy for that? I want to see him.' "'So you shall, presently. Have you seen Richard?' "'A year ago I held up his coach. "'Twas dark, and I could scarce see him. But I thought he seemed aged.' "'Aged? You wouldn't be after knowing him. "'Tis an old man he is, though I swear tis no wonder with that hussy about the house. "'Lord Jack, you were all out of that affair with her ladyship.' Carstairs nursed his foot reflectively. 
Lavinia, what ails her? Not that I know of, save it be her shrewish temper. Tis a dog's life she leads, poor Dick. Do you mean to say she does not love Dick? I cannot say. Sometimes she is as affectionate as you please, but at others she treats him to a fine exhibition of rage and the money she spends. Of course, she married him for what she should get. There was never anything else to count with her. Jack sat very still, and any one but a young fool like yourself would have seen that. A gleam of amusement shot into the wistful blue eyes. Probably. Yourself, for instance. O'Hara chuckled. Oh, I, I knew. "'Twas the money she was after all along. "'And now there's not so much, it seems, "'as Dick won't touch a penny that belongs to you.' "'Hm. Warburton told me. Foolish of him.' "'A grunt was the sole response. "'Jack's eyes narrowed a little as he gazed out of the window. "'So Lavinia never cared. "'Lord, what a mix-up! "'And Dick?' "'I'm afraid he still does. "'Poor old Dick. "'Devil take the woman. "'Does she bully him? "'I know what he is.' always ready to give in. I am not so sure. Yet I'll swear if twere not for John his life would be a misery. He misses you, Jack. Who is John? Do not Warburton tell you. John is the hope of the house. He's four and a half and as spoilt a little rascal as you could wish for. Dick's child? Good Lord! Aye, Dick's child, and your nephew. He broke off and looked into the other's face. "'Jack, cannot this mystery be cleared up? Couldn't you go back?' He was clasping Jack's hand, but it was withdrawn, and the eyes looked down into his were suddenly bored and a little cold. "'I know of no mystery,' said Carstairs. "'Jack, old man, will you be after shutting me out of your confidence?' A faint, sweet smile curved the fine lips. "'Let us talk of the weather, Miles, or my mare. Anything rather than this painful subject.' With an impatient movement, O'Hara flung back his chair and strode over to the window with his back to my lord. Jack's eyes followed him seriously. "'If ye cannot trust me, sure of no more to say to then,' flashed O'Hara. "'It seems ye do not value your friends too highly.' My lord said never a word, but the hand that rested on the desk clenched suddenly. O'Hara wheeled about and came back to his side. "'Sure, Jack, I've never meant that. Forgive me bad temper.' Carstairs slipped off the table and straightened himself, linking his arm in the Irishman's. "'Waste, Miles, as you'd say yourself,' he laughed. "'I know that. Tis not that I don't trust you, but—' "'I understand. I'll not ask you any more about it at all. Instead, answer me this. What made you come out with unloaded pistols?' The laugh died out of Carstairs' face. "'Oh, just carelessness,' he answered shortly. And he thought of the absent Jim with a tightening of the lips. "'Twas that very same reason for myself, then?' Jack stared at him. "'Miles, don't tell me yours were unloaded, too.' "'Deed, and they were. Egod, Jack, tis the best joke I've heard for a twelve-month. They both started to laugh. "'Sure, twas bluff on my part, Jack, when I told you yours were unloaded, and me lady was determined to set you free from the moment I told her all about it this morning. We were sure you were no ordinary highwayman. Though I was a fool not to have known you right away, but now I have found you out. You'll stay with us, Cousin Harry. I cannot thank you enough, Miles. But I will not do that. I must get back to Jim. And who the devil is Jim? My servant. They have been worried nigh to death over me. Nigh, no, do not press me. I could not stay here, Miles. 
You must see for yourself it is impossible. Jack Carstairs does not exist. Only Anthony Ferndale is left. Jack, dear man, can I not? No, Miles, you can do nothing. Though tis like you want to help, and I do thank you. But, oh, well, what about my mare? Plague take me if I'd not forgotten. Jack, that scoundrel of mine, let her strain her fetlock. I'm damn sorry. Poor Jenny. I swear she gave him an exciting ride, though. I'll be trying to buy her off ye, Jack, if I see much of her. Tis a little beauty she is. I'm not selling, though I intended to ask you to keep her, if— A quick pressure on his arm arrested him. That will do. I'm too heavy for her anyway. So was that devil of a groom you put on her. I, I'm a fool. I always knew that. Wished now, Jack. You'll have to take one of my nags while she heals, if you won't stay with us. Can you trust her to me for a week, do you suppose? I don't know. It seems as though I must. Oh, I retract. I retract. You are altogether too large. The day is too hot, and my cravat too nicely tied. Egad, Miles, I wish I... I wish we were boys again, and... Yes, when may I see your son and heir? Sure, you may come now and find Molly, who will be aching for the sight of you. After you, Sir Anthony Ferndale Bart. End of chapter 10 Recording by Tara Mendoza Phoenix, Arizona August 2011